So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from 12 to 31, page 1153 in the Church Bibles. Section entitled, Unity and Diversity in the Body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Thanks very much, Martin. Let's uh, pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you that we are the body of Christ and that each one of us is a part of it. And so we pray this evening that you would build us up into the body you want us to be. We thank you for the role that each one of us has in that. So Lord, speak to us, we pray this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody has calculated that uh, the human body has, um, I don't vouch for these uh, numbers, but 100 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 muscles, 78 organs. 
We have about 100,000 hairs on our heads, some of us a few less, and 9,000 taste buds. There are 11 major organ systems in the human body, including the ones here behind me, the uh, skeletal, respiratory, muscular, circulatory, digestive, and nervous systems. Now, before you are, I'm about to give a biology uh, lesson, particularly as I'm probably the least uh, qualified to be able to do that. I mention this because the way Paul emphasizes the importance of unity and diversity in the passage we're looking at this evening is by focusing on the image of the body. And it's a powerful image, because most of us, um, if we're honest, haven't got a clue about how it all works. Um, how all those things... Uh, hold together all those things that make up the body we may not appreciate how important each part of the body is until it doesn't work and we have to go into google to find out what exactly does the the pancreas do Uh, and why do we need insulin well even if we don't know how these internal organ systems work um, we do know the basics are some of the things that paul mentions in this passage we know we need ears and eyes and hands and feet we need head, shoulders, knees and toes (laughs) knees and toes last week we saw in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 that the gifts of the spirit were given for the common good for the building up of the church and hence the title for the series Body Building we saw the importance and blessing of unity in diversity and it's a theme which um, Paul takes up and develops in this second half of the chapter. The theme of unity is one which runs right through the whole whole letter to, to the Corinthians, and we did a bit of a whistle-stop tour of that uh, last, uh, last week. But the first thing Paul reminds us of in this passage this evening is that our unity is a gift from God. Last week we saw in verse 3 of chapter 12 that the thing that unites us is that we can all all say Jesus is Lord. And it's the Holy Spirit who has enabled us to see that Jesus is Lord and to live a life of submission to him. That is a gift of his to us. Now that's the most important thing that we have in common. We may have different social or educational or ethnic backgrounds. We may have different personalities and interests. But all that matters if we can say Jesus is Lord. I'm sure some of you have worshipped in different countries, different cultures, different languages, where um, certainly I've been in that situation, we haven't got a clue what people are singing about, but you still sense that we are worshipping the same Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe a different culture, different place, but it's the same Jesus. Well, the image that Paul, as I said, uses to describe that unity, that oneness, is the body. And as he says in verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are part of his body. We are part of the church. And if we are united to Christ by faith, then we are automatically united to each other by faith, to each other in the local church, but to each other in the universal church, the worldwide church 
of Jesus Christ. There may be millions of local gatherings of believers throughout the world, but um, we are all united to one another, to in him. The church exists. Uh, we come together with other believers to, to help one another grow in our faith. And so each member has a function to play in that, which we'll come on to. But where did this unity come from? In what way is it a gift? We'll have a look at verse 13. It says, we were all baptized by, or with, or in, one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Our unity exists because every member of the body belongs on exactly the same terms. We've all shared in the same experience. We've all been baptized by the Spirit. We've all drunk of the Spirit. And this isn't referring to the the type of, of water baptism you've experienced, whether as an infant or as we practice here in the church as a believer, whether it's by full immersion, as we witnessed this morning, or by sprinkling. The water baptism symbolizes the inner change that has already taken place in the heart of the believer. The spiritual conversion, the rebirth that every Christian has experienced. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it's not referring to some sort of separate experience subsequent to to the new birth. It is the the new birth that all those who believe in Jesus Christ, all those who have been saved, go through. And that leads to a new life, a new life in the spirit. And Paul described what that new life looks like when he said in Romans uh, chapter 8, he said this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So when we are converted by the spirit, we become members of the body of Christ. And therefore, as we'll see shortly, we belong to one another and we need one another. But just as our unity is a gift from God, so is our diversity a gift from God. Verse 14 says, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And verse 18 says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In the same way that God has created the human body with every part of it functioning just as it's meant to be, so God has ordered the parts of the body of Christ with every part functioning just as it is meant to be. And that means that the gifts of, that God has given each one of us that we looked at last week uh, were given to us in his wisdom. Remember what it said in verse 11? Uh, the Spirit distributes them just as he determines. And that's... Uh, the end of the passage in uh, verse 28 onwards, Paul lists some of those gifts that God has given different individuals. Okay. Um, have a look at verse 28. It says, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. He then asks the question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Well, the expected answer to each of those questions is clearly no. 
Because God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He doesn't want everybody to be apostles or teachers or workers of miracles, but for each to have a different gift and a different role. So what that means is that we should put to good use the gift that God has given us and not be envious of the gifts of others. The trouble is that was not what was happening in Corinth. And if we go back to verse 15, we see that there are two different attitudes that Paul is criticizing here as he writes to the church in Corinth. And the first wrong attitude he seeks to correct is that of the person who says in verse 15, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Paul is saying, although we are different, we all belong to one another. There are some who would rather have a different function in the body than the one they've been given by God. Um, And so they don't feel part of the body. They don't feel like they belong. The foot might want to be a hand. Um, Doesn't want to do the hard work of uh, supporting the whole body, um, getting dirty and smelly. Um, Wants to be able to do what a hand does. He wants to, to play a musical instrument or create things out of wood. Wants to hold somebody else's hand. And so instead of thinking, actually without me, the body wouldn't be able to walk or run or stand, wouldn't be able to score goals or do pirouettes, the foot says instead, I don't belong to the body. I'm not appreciated until I get injured, and even then the body carries on without me in a wheelchair. The particular issue in Corinth that Paul was addressing was the use of spiritual gifts. Paul was saying to those who were envious of others who had different gifts that they were just as valued. God values each one of us. He doesn't show more value to someone because he gives them what is perceived to be somehow a a more interesting or more important or more, more visible role. He values them because they're each one part of his body, each one one of his children now you think well how, how might this attitude creep into the church today, what might th- make, make us think I don't belong to the body or maybe we feel just overawed by others, We're, they seem to just have a lot of impressive gifts and I don't feel I've got any or if I have it's just a pretty insignificant gift maybe we feel overburdened, maybe uh, we are using our gifts to serve um, but serving out of a sense of duty um, with no joy because we'd much rather be serving in a different way maybe we feel over, overlooked, we have a gift um, but nobody has asked us to use it or there's just no opportunity to use it maybe we feel over the hill um, We've been actively involved in the life of the church in the past, but maybe now because of age or ill health, we we no longer feel we have so much to offer. Now there are are new people coming into the church and, and everyone's forgotten when we used to do that role. And the end result of all these attitudes is that we get bitter and resentful and we feel we no longer belong. Now there's a bit of a heart issue here which we we all need to be careful about. We need to remember that we we don't serve for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. 
as we looked at last uh, Sunday. Uh, our service will bring benefit to us as we use the gifts God has given us and we, as we don't depend on uh, ourselves, but we tend to depend on him to be able to use those gifts. But we don't serve in order to find that fulfillment um, or to be appreciated. In other words, our identity should be should not be in our role in the church. Our identity is in the fact that we've been saved by Jesus Christ. That we've drunk of the Spirit. That we have new life. Having received new life, we want to serve using the gifts God has given us, but our identity is not found in the use of those gifts. And if our identity is in our ministry, then the danger with that is that as soon as we stop serving... We will feel lost, we will feel undervalued, uh, we will feel we no longer have a purpose. In short, we won't feel like we belong. But God has placed all, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. God is the one who has given us a gift and he's the one who gives us opportunities to use that gift. Just because you are are performing a certain ministry at a certain time doesn't mean uh, that God would want you to do that necessarily for forever. And this is where we need to stay close to him, to walk in step with the Spirit. What is he saying to us right now about how he wants us to serve him? Maybe he's saying, well, actually, be content in what you're doing. That's where I want you to be right now. Maybe he's saying, actually, I want you to serve somewhere different now. Um, maybe in a different area of the church, maybe in a completely different church, maybe in a different part of the country, maybe in a different part of the world. Maybe saying, actually, I want you to give up your secular work and go into full-time Christian ministry. Or maybe saying, actually, I want you to give up your full-time Christian ministry and go into secular work. If we do decide, actually, we want to leave the particular local church in which we're in, the church that we belong to, then we have to have a clear direction that that is from God and it's not just our frustration or our pride talking to us. Paul is saying, although we are different, we all belong to one another. And secondly, although we are different, we should all have equal concern for one another. If one danger of diversity is that we feel inferior, the other one is that we feel superior. Um, and therefore we don't think we need anyone else. Have a look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Why might they say that? Well, because they're making the same mistake of comparing themselves with others, and this time they are filled with pride and complacency. And it comes back to the misuse of the spiritual gifts. There are those in the church in Corinth who feel somehow their gift is more important than that of others. Now the thing is that however effective their gift may appear to be, without the Spirit, it has no power. And God hasn't given us that gift because he thinks we we somehow deserve it, we've earned it. It's purely because of his grace. More important to God than the use of our gifts is the way we treat other people in the body. Do we value them in the same way that God values them? Paul continues in verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. You see how he's turned things on their head, on their head here. He's saying the parts that seem to be weak, that don't seem to matter, that no one is bothered about, those are the ones that are indispensable. And therefore we need to treat them with special honour and modesty. After all, those that carry a certain amount of respect, they don't need any special treatment. We read back in verse 18, In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And now we read in verse 24, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Now, it's difficult to know exactly what this means, but what it seems to be saying is that for those parts of the body that don't seem to have a, such a significant role to play, God values them just as much. And therefore, so should we. The I don't need you attitude that uh, Paul rebukes here uh, can also be applied to, to those with a sort of consumer attitude to church. People who are very selective about what they come to, uh, how they help, who they talk to. It's a sense of, I don't need anyone else's help to be a Christian. I'm mature enough already. It's all on their terms, Paul is saying. There's no commitment, no accountability, and there's no sense of, even if I don't need the help of others, maybe they need the help of me. Well, the conclusion of this section is the important bit. God's great desire... Oop, I've gone too far... Sorry, I can bring him back. Thanks, Norman. Um, in verse 25, look at that. There's this, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We all know that when one part of the, the body is not working, how it affects the rest of the body. Um, even if it's a, a little splinter in your finger, it affects everything else, doesn't it? And the same should apply to the church. If one person suffers, then we all suffer with them. We suffer with Wellesley and Hannah this week as they say goodbye to, to Casper. We're concerned for him as he leaves a loving, caring home where Jesus is present. We suffer emotionally with those who are suffering physically because of illness. And we seek to show our concern for them. And likewise, when someone is honoured, we all rejoice with them. It may be uh, through one of the joys of life. Uh, when Callum and Tash get married next weekend, we rejoice with them. When our young people hopefully pass their exams, as we've heard this evening, and we rejoice with them. When someone who is unemployed finds work, we rejoice with them. Or as we were doing this morning, something very significant as Charlotte was baptized we rejoiced with her it was a wonderful occasion so as we come towards the end our unity and diversity are gifts from God if we embrace our diversity as a church if we work hard on our unity we have great potential to grow as a church 
I think the reason why FIC has grown much in recent years is because churches have been working together. They've been embracing unity. In the past, each church has been affiliated but just gone off and done its own thing. Um, now there's a sense of joint mission as together we seek to win the nation for Christ. There's less looking down at other struggling churches and they're saying, well, I don't need you, you're on your own, but saying, actually, how can I help you? I think the reason why uh, we've grown at LCBC here in the past uh, few years is because of the unity we've shown. But that unity is always fragile, isn't it? Because the, the devil will always seek to attack it. He knows if we become divided, our gospel witness will become ineffective. Being united doesn't mean we will agree over everything, particularly when it comes to to strategy for growth, uh, when it comes to processes and structures. We will have different views because God has made us each different, hasn't he? We embrace our diversity and we can learn a lot from each other. The key, though, is that we don't allow those different opinions to affect our unity, to affect the way we relate to one another and the way in which we show equal concern for each other. We need to constantly encourage one another and build each other up. As elders, we acknowledge our responsibility to continually encourage the whole church. And likewise, we appreciate your encouragement for us. You know, we are just, at the end of the day, frail human beings like everybody else, seeking to serve God in the part of the body in which he's placed us and trusting in him for his strength. But we recognize we are in the front line of attack. The devil will try and divide us. The devil will try, the devil will try and discourage us. The devil will try and destroy us. So we appreciate your prayers. So let's thank God for our unity and diversity. And let's pray that the Spirit would remind us that we do belong to one another. We need each other. And let's pray that the Spirit would enable us to care for each other. Let's pray now. Father God, we thank you for that wonderful unity that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can say Jesus is Lord. And it's only because of your spirit that we are able to say that. That our hearts have been convicted to be able to declare that. And Lord, as we are united, we can go forward in strength. Thank you, Lord, that part of that unity is embracing our diversity. Thank you that you've given us each different gifts. And that each one contributes to the whole and so Lord we pray that we would appreciate each other we would encourage one another we would seek to build each other up and we would show equal concern to each other and particularly Lord those who may feel undervalued who may feel that they don't belong Lord help us to encourage them and show them just how much that we need them. Father, thank you that we all need one another. And together, we need you. So Lord, build us up, we pray, into the church that you want us to be, that we'll be effective witnesses for you in this place, in this country, and throughout the world. In Jesus' name.
Amen.